You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Sunday we began to look at the property of the name of Jesus. We saw that the name of Jesus was property and I think we saw that he was intangible and you can't say he's not tangible. Praise the Lord. So he's all of them. He is property. And we saw, you know, the demonstration of it when Peter and John in Acts chapter 3, verse 3, made a comparative statement. Silver and gold we do not have. One of the translations said, we don't have a dime on us, but we do have something. Praise the Lord. And what was it they said they had? They said they have the name of Jesus. And we began to learn that to every Christian, to every born-again child of God, that name has been what? Given to us. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right. He gave the authority. He gave the power to become sons of God. When you become the son of a man, you inherit his name. Praise the Lord. When they call you, they call him. When you introduce yourself, you call him. So we all as children of God, born again Christians, have been given that name. And we're encouraged never to imagine that we are disadvantaged. We are in a a straight situation. We are in a sorry situation. We are in an impossible situation. Because that name, the Bible says, at that name, every knee bows. Of things in heaven, of things on earth, and of things beneath the earth. We may dare add that at that name, things spiritual, things temporal. Things psychological, things physiological, things emotional, things scientific, everything bows. Praise the Lord. That's how much we have in that name. Praise the Lord. Now, on Wednesday, we went further and we saw that, or rather I told a story, my experience as a child, that I saw an homo advert. How many of us are old enough? How many of us know what Omo is? Omo is a detergent. How many of us know that advert? Omo washes brighter and it... Okay. So, as a child, I was watching the advert and they, they used a dirty white shirt of a child to do the advert. And in this advert, they said, if you put Omo in water and you get it to lather... And then you take the white shirt. The woman was holding it by the collar, I remember. And she said, you dip it inside, you bring it out. You dip it inside, you bring it out. You dip it the third time, you bring it out. You rinse, you hang it. It will be white as snow. Hallelujah. 
So I came back from school and took my dirty white shirt and put Omo in water and got it to ladder. And then I dipped my white shirt inside, brought it out one, dipped second, brought it up, dipped the third time, brought it, rinsed and hung. Lo and behold, when the shirt dried, <laughs> it was just a dried, dirty white shirt. It was then I realized that the world is not on the surface. There are deep things in the world. Because when I come back with my dirty white shirt, those who wash it, they get it white. So I now realize that they don't just dip it. When they dip, they do what? They scroll. That they didn't tell me in the advert. So I don't want to be like a pastor who will not tell you the whole truth. Praise the Lord. I don't want to leave you going from here dipping three times and then saying ah, they told me it will work praise the lord in acts acts chapter 19 we have an account that the bible gives us and we read last sunday from acts chapter 3 so today for balance and for completeness we must look at this account in acts chapter 19 and in acts chapter 19 from verse 11 the bible says now god worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, I call them SSS, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but um, who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. He said, this became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Let's stop there. Praise the Lord. What did this group use? What name did they call? They called the name Jesus, isn't it? That's why we have to listen to this part of the message. Because you can go out from church and say the pastor said the name of Jesus. I just call it something happens. And I like the way the passage we looked at captured it. The passage has said unusual miracles were working in this name. So there is no doubt as to the efficacy of this name. To the extent that it became transferable. So they take a handkerchief or an apron and then in the name of Jesus they go with it and touch a sick person and healing our cause. That's how powerful this name is. Praise the Lord. You pray over the phone in this name. It goes by, you know, um, uh, magnetic waves and healing or cause somewhere outside of the country, somewhere far, you know, away from you. The name of Jesus is mighty to save. Praise the Lord. However, like we referred in John 1 that we mentioned, John 1, I believe, 12, and 13 where it says as many as received him he gave them what 
the right. There is a right to use this name. We talked about property last Sunday and for the lawyers who are here, what makes you an owner of a property is that you have a title. Praise the Lord. By reason of that title, the government, the laws of the land, they give you right over that property. And what does right over that property confirm you? It says you are the owner, you can enjoy it and you can administer it the way you want. Praise the Lord. If somebody who doesn't have that title or that ownership tries to enjoy that property, he'll be guilty of trespassing, isn't it? That's what these people did, these SSS. They were trespassing on the name of Jesus. So the devil, who is, we learned some time ago, Pastor, the way told us that the devil is God's policeman. Do you understand that? So the devil, whose, you know, servants, the demons were, they enforced the Lord. They beat those SSS and beat them very well and taught them never to trespass. You think those people will call the name of Jesus anyhow? They will now go to Paul and ask him, sit down and say, disciple us. Praise the Lord. So what is it? The name has been given to us. But there is, you know, there are conditions. The world will say terms and conditions what? Thank you very much. That's what the world will say. And then in some instances, they'll call it the fine prints of the contract. You know, in the world, whenever you buy something and you sign it, there are fine prints, right? The print is so small that you can barely see it. But because God is good, because God is a wonderful God, he does not put the conditions in fine prints. He puts it in what? Bold prints. That's what we want to look at today. Are you ready to do that with me? So that we can fully enjoy this property that has been given to us. You know, there's this common, you know, thinking that if I've done nothing to receive something, then, you know, I really don't have any obligation after I receive it. Is that really true? Is that really true? Have you thought about it? How many of us have received a gift? Now, when you receive that gift, you did nothing to receive it. But do you know that to enjoy and benefit from that gift, you have to do something? Now, oftentimes we do that. We receive something, you know, we don't do anything and we receive something. If we don't do anything, which we do most times, what happens is that we show ourselves. That's why I like the song so much, you know, where where it, it was declaring, are not worthy to declare or you're more worthy or those thousand hallelujahs are not enough. You see, when I receive something, a gift, and I do nothing. Some time ago, we, we, you know, somebody was given the gift of a vehicle. And this person needed a vehicle. That's why the gift was given to her and the family. This person refused to learn to drive. This person had different people driving the car on her behalf. These people wrecked the car. She never really enjoyed it. What was it? She never grew worthy of the gift that was given her. Many times, what we are not enjoying, though given to us, is because we have not shown ourselves worthy. I think it was two Sundays ago that we looked at the uh, centurion. 
When you have time, read the story of that centurion. The centurion sent people to Jesus to heal his servant. The delegation is saying, the Pharisees, when they got to Jesus, he said, this man who sent us is worthy. He says he, has, he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. Are you following me now? Now, somebody might begin to think, Pastor, are you preaching works today? No, I'm not preaching works. I'm preaching faith with works. I'm preaching the work of faith. Are you listening? Because I looked at that and what the Spirit of the Lord ministered to me was, the man had done so much for the Jews that the people he sent went to the master and said, Master, please come and heal this centurion servant. This man is such a blessing to the nation of the Jews. And Jesus, responding to their recommendations, started going. But the Bible said, before Jesus came to the house, what happened? The man sent another delegation and said, please tell him that I am not worthy for him to enter my roof. Enter under my roof. He should do what? Speak the word and my servant will be healed. That is a man who knows who Jesus is. He knew him worthy of his dedication. But he also knew him too worthy to come under his roof. Is someone getting me now? Now, when I receive a gift, there is nothing I will do to really pay for the gift. But I can do something to show the giver of the gift that I value it. That's what we are talking about. And if you don't do that thing, you prove to the giver that you are not worthy of the gift. And then you yourself lose or begin to lose the enjoyment of that gift. Now, brothers and sisters, I said our God is so good that he didn't put these things in fine print. He put it clear. Matthew 13, 44 and 45. The parables of our Lord Jesus were intended to so simplify the kingdom so that even the children who are worshipping with us this period will understand what the kingdom is about. And in Matthew 13, 44, this is what our Lord Jesus Christ says. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like what? Treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Why they say like treasure here is that it's beyond every treasure. Hallelujah. It is not just a treasure. It's beyond treasure. We all know that the Queen of England has passed on, right? Okay. Now, if there was somebody who had treasure, she had treasure. But... Whatever treasure she had will be compared to nothing if she misses heaven. Is someone hearing me now? So she's only blessed now if she's in glory. If she's not in glory, the 400 million, how many, you know, million pounds of uh, crown that she wore will be of no value to her. The royalty, if she misses heaven, she will get surname by force. You know now, queen has they don't have surname. In heaven, they'll give. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, what I'm trying to say is that the kingdom of heaven is beyond treasure. Are you getting me? And they said, it's hidden in a field. And the man finds it for joy. Okay, first of all, he takes it and hides it. The treasure is hidden. And then he finds it and rehides it. Double hiding. What do you hide in your house? You hide things 
that are not common, that you don't want any type of person to touch. So, first of all, the kingdom is hidden. Our Lord Jesus said to us, do not cast your pearls before swine. See, lest they do what? So, it's hidden because it's precious. And then a man finds it and rehides it. And then the Bible says, for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has. What caught me here, I'm going to show it to you. He goes and sells all that he has and comes back and buys the treasure. No. You know why? He cannot afford the treasure. He buys the field. And when he buys the field, because the treasure is in the field, it becomes his. I get it now. Nobody can afford the kingdom of heaven. Nobody can buy it. Do you understand? Nobody can pay for the kingdom of heaven. But you can show yourself worthy. You can make yourself a fit recipient. So the field is a type of where the treasure is. It's a type of me. So you can make your life, you can make your affairs such a way that it becomes conducive. Our Lord Jesus Christ teaching that if a man, you know, does my will and, you know, pleases me. He says, I and the Father will come and what? Make our home with him. You can't pay for that. But they look at you, they say, okay, this man, you know, is excited about us. Let us come and tabernacle with him. Brothers and sisters, this is the kingdom. Praise the Lord. You cannot pay for it. But you have to buy the field. And another important thing is this. What is the cost of the field? Does anybody know the cost of the field? How much do you think the field costs? A lot? A lot. Okay. How, much, how many people think the field costs a lot? Let me see your hand. Okay. If the field costs a lot, poor people won't be able to buy it. Isn't it? That means some people will be shut out of the kingdom. But our Lord Jesus Christ says the poor and all of that, there is also the kingdom of heaven. So what is the cost of the field? The cost of the field is all that you have. So to the rich, that's why Jesus said how difficult it is for the rich to do what? Because it will cost them more. You see, when a poor man is asked to humble himself, how far does he need to go? You're getting it now. When a poor man is asked to humble himself, assuming now God says this week is sweeping week, every member of the Father's church will come and sweep the church. There are people who are sweeping to end their salary. So they will just continue sweeping. They'll sweep Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Abby, and then Saturday they come also and what? Sweep. So they're in their zone already. There are some people that have never swept for 50 years. If they just bend like this, their back will hook. That's what Jesus is saying. He says how difficult it is for the rich to enter because the poor. <laughs> this kingdom, a man has to sell all that he has to be able to buy. You know why you have to sell all you have? Not to afford it, but to create room for it to enter you. So you don't sell all, it can't enter. We've learned here that Jesus can never be an addition. That's a mistake we make. In the kingdom, preaching the gospel. We preach Jesus as an addition. You need Jesus to make your life better. No, you need Jesus to have a new life. He that is in Christ is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have what? 
Jesus does not come to make your life better. LG can make your life better. Do you understand? Uh, First Bank can make your life better. You win lottery, it can make your life better. But when Jesus comes, he takes that life away and gives you a new life. That's why you have to sell all that you have so that you can make room. Is someone getting in there? So you can make room for his life to come in. He said to Nicodemus, unless a man be what? Born again, he cannot see. It's not an improvement. That's where many of us struggle. Because we want to add Jesus to what we already know. We want to improve. No, Jesus demands a displacement. So when he comes in, the old life goes all of a sudden. That's why for some of us, for I believe most of us, we've realized that our encounter with Jesus disrupted every plan we had. I don't know about you, but it disrupted mine. I'm sure you're tired of hearing it. I'm not a public person. I don't like speaking before people. Some people think pastor is like, no, I don't. I'm quiet. And my experience when I got born again newly, where I thought I'll be sitting is at the back. I love the Lord. I wanted to serve the Lord with all I had. But I thought I'll be at the back, not the speaking part. But when you surrender your life to Jesus, you don't bring, there's no follow come. You don't tell him this is the least, uh, this is the type of thing I would like to do. If there is a mission to Switzerland, I would like to go. Medugri, no. Eritrea, no. I, I will consider Canada. <laughs> no, no, no. When you come, you surrender. Is someone with me? So he puts that that way. Why? Hallelujah. You see, the treasure must find you worthy. Before you can begin to enjoy it. Hallelujah. You know, what we are looking at is the fine prints. What the world will call fine prints, but the Bible didn't put it in fine prints. Let me just refer to our message last Sunday, the text last Sunday. Peter and John, in that Acts 3, said to this beggar, Silver and gold we do not have, but that which we have, you know, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Let me tell you what this kingdom does to you. So a man or a people don't have silver and gold, but they have Jesus. And the Bible says that we're going to the temple at the hour of prayer. Follow me, okay? Were they going to pray for silver and gold? You're answering that. How many of us are doing that? Are you getting me? They knew they didn't have silver and gold, but it was not on their, it was not on their radar. If Peter and John were themselves, what would they want? Peter was a married man. Every married man here understands responsibility. And the singer told us, ain't no romance without. Peter and John did not have silver and gold. It was not on their radar. But they knew they had something. So when this man asked, they didn't check. You know some people, you ask them for money, they do like this. Ah, I didn't bring out. Ten. They knew they didn't bring out. <laughs> <laughs> they do like this you know <laughs> okay silver and gold we don't have we know we don't have we know we know but that which we have and then look at it look at another thing there this jesus you know <laughs> hallelujah so many people were telling me on sunday oh i was so blessed i said ah, this is the trouble pastor's face you preach some messages people like it you preach some messages people say ah 
Why did I even come to church today? <laughs> well, the truth is, after service, I don't look to you for validation. I look to him who sent me. That's the truth. But I love you, so I want you happy to the best of my ability. Okay? So, but realize that Peter and John didn't use the name of Jesus to solve their problem. They used the name of Jesus to do what? To heal the lame man. And when the glory came, thank God for one of the songs we sang. He said, take all of the glory. When the glory came, they said, why are you people looking at us as if by our own power or might or holiness? They referred everybody back to who? If it's today, they'll call the man. Ushers will bring him. Pastor can now stand. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. He said, I was lame from birth until I encountered this commission. Brethren, <laughs> this name will change everything that you thought was the way things were done. It will turn around everything. Do you know why? I'm going to tell you why. You see, the, the Bible says, or rather, even the world, when they give you a product, what do you do? You read the manual, isn't it? When you receive the property of the name of Jesus, there's a manual that, that comes with it. You know what that manual is? Should I tell you? It is the mind of Christ. Let me say the mind of Christ. The name of Christ without the mind of Christ will not work. So the Philippians 2 we read last Sunday. We'll read it again. Philippians 2 verse 5. He said, let this mind what? You have to let the mind be in you. If that mind is not in you, you prove yourself unworthy of the name. So that's why our Lord Jesus Christ teaching us would say, pray in this manner. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we do what? As we forgive those who trespass. Anybody who is asking God for forgiveness must also adjust his mentality to know that he was, he must what? Forgive others. As simple as that. You must not forgive others. That's the truth. But if you want God to forgive you, then you must forgive others. You know, that's the way the gospel is. You know, sometimes we don't understand some things. He didn't say you must forgive others. He's just saying that if you want God to forgive you. That's why he says, forgive us as we. So there are some of us that know this person, I'm ready, not nobody here. We are ready to continue this quarrel in hell. We will not solve it. If that is what we keep. Have you heard people say that over their dead body? That's what I say. Okay. The gift of the name of Jesus it comes with a software. That software is the mind of Christ. How do you know the fake power? How do you know the fake, you know, the demonic operations and all of that? It's where the power is shown, but the mind is not shown. 1 Corinthians 1.24 says to us, it says Christ is to us the power of God and the wisdom of God. In the name of Jesus, there is power. Praise the Lord. But also in the name of Jesus, there is what? Wisdom. There is a wisdom that when you know that name, you're prayed by. Let's go back to that Philippians 2.5. He said, let this mind, the mind is the software that enables your prayer. If the sons of Sceva had adopted this mind, the demon would not tell them, Jesus I know. Paul, I know, but you, who are you? Uh, which translation is that? Um, I think is the, the uh, is it the Passion? One of the translations. They put it this way. 
They say, Jesus, we know, Paul, we know. But you, we can't recognize you. Child of God, there is a background. There is an interior work that is worked inside of a man that gives that name efficacy when it is mentioned. Are you hearing me? You see, message put it this way, and I think that captures it. That's same Acts 19, you know. Message says they took it upon themselves to pronounce the name. When we say the name of Jesus, it was my wife that pointed out that for me. In Philippians 2, okay, we normally say at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall, should bow. You know, that's what we... But the Bible didn't say at the mention of the name. It just says at the name of Jesus. Because when we say at the mention, we have exited spirituality into abracadabra. And that's where many of us think. Just shout the name Jesus. When we call on his name, yes. But it's not the sound of the name. It is the person. It is his approval. It's that when he looks, he says, sent her. Lift up your head so you gaze and be lifted up. You everlasting does. That the king of glory might come. He said, who is the king of glory? He says, the Lord, mighty, strong and mighty. The gate sees who is there. And when they look, you're standing there, but Jehovah is overtowering you. That's why the Bible was speaking. It says to the mountains, what caused you to quake? To the trees, the cedars of Lebanon. He said, what tore you in pieces? He said to the ocean, why did you part? Because Jehovah was what? Hovering over the people. That's what the name is. It's not the sound. It's beyond the sound. It is the presence. It's the stamp of approval. It's the confirmation. Is someone with me? Praise the Lord, somebody. So we go back to the software that will enable us to enjoy this product. So it says, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Until that mind is in us, that name, we will be mentioning it and it will be a sound. We have to surrender to the process of the transformation. Another place puts it this way, Romans 12 verse 2. It says, but what? Do, do not be conformed to this word, but be transformed how? By the renewing of your what? Your software, your mind. Why? It says that you may prove. We've learned here that that word prove is that you may experience. So the gift has been given to me, but I have to tr- allow my mind to be what? Transformed so that I can experience fully that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Praise the Lord, somebody. I was sharing with us on Wednesday, and I, I'm sure that's the experience of most of us here. I'm not saying the name of Jesus won't work for you. It will work for you because he loves us. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. But one of your initial experiences of the power that is in the name of Jesus is using it to minister to somebody. That will be one of your first experiences. And the Holy Spirit will produce them. You get born again, you go to the office, something happens. The Holy Spirit reminds you, say, didn't they teach you that the name of Jesus? And then you use it. That's how you now get confidence in your own situation to know that this name that worked when I prayed for sister so and brother so must also work in my life. But if I don't apply it for him, for her, the Bible says faith even worked by love. If I don't send it out, if I don't use my Christianity to begin to pursue and advance the cause of Christ, I have not really met him. Praise the Lord, somebody. 
so the mind is an essential software. First Corinthians 2.16. Let's look at it as well. This one takes it now conclusively. He says, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But what does this say of you and I? He said, let me say, but I have the mind of Christ. Maybe I should prophesy to you the mind of Christ. Say, you have the mind of Christ. Say, amen. amen. By next Sunday, come and tell me, pastor, my colleague said I have the mind of Christ. My husband said I have the mind of Christ. My employee said I have the mind of Christ. Those are the things that will make this name. When you call it, they will say we know you. Is someone hearing what I'm talking about? They will say we know you. Praise the Lord somebody. I'll show you another place. John chapter 13, 3 to 5. It says Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. And that he had come from God and was going to God. Let, let, let's, let's just stop at verse 3 first. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. And that he had come from God and was going to God. This is Jesus. So, he catches, he doesn't catch a revelation, he's God. But I catch a revelation that all things are mine. Okay? I've come from God. God sent me. I'm returning to God. I've satisfactorily served him, pleased him. And then the Bible says he rises from supper, takes off his garment, picks up a towel, pours water in a bowl, and begins to wash the feet of his disciples. What is going on here, sir? A normal man who knows he has come from God and is returning to God and has had people who served him over time. What should they be planning for him? Send forth. Pension. What did the Abadoman ask for pension? How many houses? Seven in Lagos. Three in Abuja. Four new cars. That's how a man reasons. But a man who knows that he came from God. Returning to God. Has finished his assignment. He takes off his jacket. And says to the people that should serve him. I want to serve you. You know why? Who I am, you can't take it off by removing my coat. Jesus was teaching them. This is the mind of the one who knows me. And when he had done that, what did he say to them? It says, I've done these things that what you may also go and do. So when I hear that I have Christ, then the first thing he says to me, like we've learned here, that the prayer of Jabez, which, you know, people used to do all kinds of things. The prayer of Jabez, the deep part of Jabez's prayer, for those who know the prayer, is that Jabez said that I may not cause pain. What it means is that by that name, I receive the authority to be a blessing anywhere I'm found. No one will cry because of me. No, everyone who encounters me, even if they say anything about me, they'll say God is good. Do you understand? Jesus was trying to inculcate into these people. This is how God is. And when you have the power of God, like, like there was a song we're singing, I get connected some time ago. Powerful song. Uh, uh, holy, 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 Lord God, merciful and mighty. Only God can be merciful and mighty at the same time. The more mighty men become, the less merciful they become. I get in it. So Jesus was teaching them, this almighty God is serving you. If I, your Lord, your master and savior, have done this to you, 
then you also what? Sugar. It's the mind. These are the things that will make it impossible for any demon to stand in front of you. I get what I'm saying. In fact, if you get it at this level, you almost begin to operate at the level where it's as though there are no troubles again. It's not there that there are no troubles. The Bible says, if a man's ways are pleasing unto the Lord, he even what makes his enemies to be. Sometimes he, they will go far before you come. They hear you're coming to the village. Before you came, the villagers are saying they're having this problem that as you just enter car from Lokoja, before you're approaching your village, they've all gone. Say, that man is coming. You know why? Because you have so much. You don't just have the sound of the name. You have carried the character of the name. You're like the sun now. The sun is so far, but we feel the heat here. You're not shaking. You're not holding anybody by the neck. The property of Christ has so occupied you. On Wednesday, we learned that when you own a property, the property also begins to own you. There's an intermingling between what you own and, you know, how he owns it and how you own it. So Christ has so owned you that you don't fetch him. Is someone getting in there? As you get this thing, child of God, what is going to happen is that you will enjoy the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. So another thing I'll tell you before I leave you, which I, I want to trust will just help us see what we are talking about. There's a, a record in First Chronicles 21. It's the account when... Uh, David, the king of Israel, numbered Israel, and God was not happy with him. So, um, verse 7 says, and God was displeased with this thing that he did. Therefore, he struck Israel. So, David said to God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I pray, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Then the Lord spoke to God, David's seer, saying, go and tell David, saying, thus says the Lord. I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. So God came to David and said to him, Thus says the Lord, choose for yourself. Either three years of famine or three months to be defeated by your foes with the sword of your enemies overtaking you. Or else for three days the sword of the Lord, the plague in the land with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout the territory of Israel. Now consider what, I, what answer I should take back to him who sent me. Verse 13, And David said to God, I'm in great distress. Please let me fall into the hand of the Lord. For what? His mercies are what? Very great. That's why the man David was just such a, a spectacular person. He says, for his mercies, let me fall into the hand of the Lord. For his mercies are very great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. We all say amen to that. May we never fall into the hand of man. Concerning Nigeria, Lord, deal with us. Let not the Fulani people, let not bandits deal with us. Do it for us, O Lord. Okay? So this was what it was. So the Lord sent a plague, verse 14, upon Israel. And 70,000 men of Israel fell. 15. And God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy. As he was destroying, the Lord looked and relented of the disaster. And said to the angel who was destroying, it is what? Enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Onan, the Jebusite. Can you see what David said is happening now? So God didn't even complete the three days. What are you saying of the Lord? Do you understand? What David said, he had begun to receive it. He said, let me fall into the hand of the Lord. For his mercies are very great. Praise the Lord. And indeed, we saw it here. The Lord sent the angel. He began to destroy. The Lord did not finish his three days. Mercy and compassion will be our portion from the Lord in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Okay, so the Lord restrained the angel before the time, you know, passed. And then verse 16 says, David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven. Having in his hand a drawn sword. Note that if you have your Bible, underline that part. Having in his hand a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. So David and the others, clothed in sackcloth, fell on their faces. And David said to God, was it not I who commanded the people to be numbered? Um, I am the one who has sinned and done evil indeed. But this sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, O Lord, my God, be against me and my father's house. But not against your people that they should be plagued. Therefore, the angel of the Lord commanded God say, to say to David that David should go and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of honor and the Jebusite. So David went up at the word of God, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. 20. Now Onan turned and saw the angel, and his four sons who were with him hid themselves. But Onan continued threshing wheat. Hallelujah. This 20, look at verse 20. Onan turned and saw the angel with a sword stretched in his hand. Okay? And his four sons who were with him hid themselves. But Onan did hide himself. What's this saying? Anybody? A man sees an angel with a sword drawn. His sons run and hid themselves. A pure heart. There is nothing judgment to make the man do that he hasn't done. That's Christianity. A pure heart. That is a man ready to meet his maker. Are you getting it? I think one of our brothers was sharing at the lunch hour fellowship some time ago. He was really sick and he said he was afraid of dying. And the prayer he prayed to God was, God, please, he's owing some people. Let him finish paying them. Meanwhile, some people say, let me die. <laughs> he said he was owing some people. Lord, let him not die. He has to pay these people first. Onan's heart, conscience was clean. So where is he going to run to? His sons probably have stolen their father's money, done something. So when they saw the angel of judgment, they went and hid. But the man continued threshing. You see, the beauty... The pleasure of righteousness. I'm telling you that you chop and wipe mouth. Eh? You pay the price because I think the, the English people have a saying that when you escape the arms of the law, that the arms of conscience, you can never escape. What you did, you did. Whether you say you didn't do it. Okay? So Onan's heart was so pure that he didn't move. He said, the sons read. But he continued threshing with. Let's continue. Let me read 21. So David came to Onan, and Onan looked and saw David, and he went out from the threshing floor and bowed before David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Onan, grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar on it to the Lord. You shall grant it to me at the full price, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. 23. Let's read 23 together. But Onan said to David, take it to yourself, and let my Lord the king do what is good in his eyes. Look. I also give you the oxen for burnt offerings, the threshing implement for wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all. Many of us would have said this is a testimony. Now look at 24. Let's see what David said. Then King David said to Onan, No, but I will surely buy it what? For the full price. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings with that which costs me nothing. Can you give us that in message, please? No. David replied to Arauna, No, I'm buying it from you and at the full market price. I'm not going to offer God sacrifices 
that are no sacrifices. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you something. Jesus, the Bible calls him the indescribable gift, is the gift of God to us. We don't pay any price to receive him. Okay? But when you have received Jesus, if you don't pay a price, well, I'm still going to show you a part of that passage as I round up. If you don't pay prizes, you are not, I don't know which word to put it, you are not very wise. You know why? Our Lord Jesus himself speaking somewhere. I'm still going to come back to the text. In several places in the scriptures. But let's take the one in Mark 8, 34. Because this one, the Bible says, he called the multitude and his disciples. Okay? He called the people to himself with his disciples also. He said to them what? Whoever desires to do what? To come after me. Let him do what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and do what? Follow me. Child of God, the Christianity that does not cost you anything is not the original one. It comes free of charge, but it's going to place demands on you. How many of us here were the first to get born again in our families? That's, you got born again and your siblings were not born again. One of the things you realize is that the nice ones amongst them almost became a devil to you. You know why? Because the kingdom of darkness will test your resolve. The very things you now want to stand for, it wasn't a big deal for them how you did this or how you did that. But all of a sudden, they have to present those things so that you will prove by your choices that you really have received something. Challenges will come. Trials will come. Questions will be asked of you. The problem we have now is that people get born again and we promise them comfort. Pastor Lloyd and I told you before, let this be one of the first things we'll teach new converts. And you know then, you told me that it was for the disciples. You remember our conversation? But now we're seeing it's not for disciples. He said to the people, anyone who desires to come after me, you must first deny yourself. Now I'm seeing that he's not saying that to give us himself. He has given us himself. But he knows that if we don't do that, we won't enjoy him. The simple way it is is this. If it's a coat that you want to wear, if I give it to you now, you'll put it on what you're wearing. You know the one that is coat? Eh? <laughs> but if I get you, uh, you know, a tailor-made designer suit, most of us can't put it on until we first do what? Unclothe ourselves. That's what Jesus is saying. The gift that I bring to you is so precious that unless you do what? You take off. Acquaintances will change. Values will change. Priority will change. If those things don't change, you cannot enjoy me. That's what he's saying. It's not that he hates you. It's his love for you that is making him tell you that. It's like some young lady wanting to get married or, you know, you're about getting married and your husband is so special. Oh, my husband is a gentleman. He doesn't talk a lot. You know, he's just quiet. He's all of that. And then you get married with him to him and then you make your house now a department of salon. You know, salon where women gather. And this person is bringing this. Is, ah, do you know what happened? <laughs> the other day, one day you will wake up. The man has packed out of the house. Do you get what I'm saying? 
because you did not unclose. You're not ready. Praise the Lord. The Bible says Jesus called them that they might be with him. For you and I to enjoy Jesus, there are things that must go. Are you with me? There are prices you must pay. It cannot be that you're a Christian. Okay, you got born again uh, five years ago. The way you have handled your finances before you got born again. After I got born again, you are handling your finances the same way. It's not possible. Even ordinary girlfriend. If you get girlfriend, your finances will change. Isn't it? If you used to go with her long to visit her. That area, when you're going to Jahi's side, you go with her long. When you get girlfriend, what do you go with? Boat. It's the same journey. <laughs> it's the same journey. Do you understand? But you're now, somebody's there. Abby, something has changed. You cannot tell me, sir. You cannot tell me, ma, that you're born again. I love Jesus. And your finances are just the same way with the unsaved person. You handle it the same way. We don't teach tithe here, Abby. That's the truth. Because tithe is not relevant. But when you love the Lord, ah, oh, you come to church like this. The type of worship that we had, after that worship, all you just be saying to the Lord, what shall I render? What shall I render? You're just thinking, what do I worship you with? Did you ask yourself that? When we, say, when we sing, Martha, just sing me that um, um, a thousand... Prostrate angels. How many prostrate angels? 10,000 prostrate angels. The other one, what's the other one? In the saints in glory. Thank you. 10,000 sacred anthems. Okay. One million sincere praises. The next one, there's the one of the prostrate. Let, let's sit down. Thank you. Okay, the, okay yes. 10,000 saints crossed over. One million prostrate angels. They can't cry holy Lord for me. So if they can't cry holy Lord for you, which one are you crying? Eh? We're saying that 10,000 angels, prostrate, 1 million angels, prostrate, cannot give my hallelujah. And then you can't give 1 million. Neither. Not pounds. I love the Lord. You cannot wake up early to come to church, but you love the Lord. And then you sing that song. Don't sing it again. No. Are you getting what I'm... Somebody annoys you. You stop coming to church. I can't come to church. They, they, those people there, somebody annoyed me. And you can't come, and then you come and say one million prostrate angels cannot take my place in worshiping you. You're talking nonsense. You don't know what you don't know what you don't know who Jesus is. Do you understand? That when you know who Jesus is, they will slap you. You say slap on this side. Because I love him. I'm going somewhere. David said to Arauna or to Anna, he says, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. One of the politicians that are, that, are, that are, one of the people that are contesting for presidency was telling someone quite close to me that people from all over the world are calling him to say, you know, I, I want to send you some money. How much do you need and all of that? Now, why are they doing that? They want to throw away money. No, they're, they're just feeling that you most likely become the president. He hasn't called for donation, but people are already offering millions of dollars. Why? Because they see worth. The reason you're not giving to God is that you're not seeing worth in him. The reason you're not inconveniencing yourself, if I can use that word, for Jesus, is that you're not seeing worth. He's not worthy to you. David said to Arana, I will not give to God sacrifice 
that is your sacrifice. <laughs> I, I told us here, the reason I started giving to God's work and God's children and God's people, God's work, is that I sat down and I said, who is giving them? So your neighbor is giving them. Then you feel smart. You buy what? You buy perfume. You buy car. You buy house. Eh? You the do guy. Eh? And then you come. Don't you know somebody's sacrificing? Somebody was here yesterday to sweep. No, so they post you to toilet, right? And you stand there throughout service. And then you go, if there's a tissue on, you say, this place is not clean. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> but you don't do anything, but you love him. You don't know his worth. You know, here we teach a lot of things that if you're not wise, you'll misunderstand them. When I de-emphasize, you know, the hours you pray, the number of days you fast and all of that, people who are not wise, they go and reduce. But the reason you pray and pray for long and pray consistent is value. Some of us will buy ordinary new shoe. We're not wearing it. We'll keep it on the bed. How many have done that before? You're not wearing it, so you just keep it. You look at it. You finish looking at it, you put it back. You go to work, you come back, you put it again. That is prayer. When you know the worth of Jesus, you will pray. We de-emphasize fasting. Listen, there are some people when they invite me for dinner, I don't eat from morning. I fast because I'm expectant of something great happening at the end. So when somebody says, I fast, is the value they see in him. It's as simple as that. They say, ah, um, this person, there are some people that they invite me, I will eat because, hey, I don't trust what is going to happen there. That's why we're not fasting. We don't trust the power. Some of us are listening to me. There are situations in your life that you need to tell the Lord, I believe you. And for this period, I'm going to wait on you. That's the revelation. It's the worth that makes you fast. I pray because there is worth. I'm digging. I'm digging into the treasure. That's what prayer is. I'm, I'm discovering the treasure. And then as I'm praying, he's telling me things. He's explaining things to me. He's giving me instructions. He's suiting my heart. He's, prepared, he's fortifying me. So that I finish praying, they give me news. News that will panic people, I smile. Because the treasure is all over me. Is somebody getting in now? So David said, that's why I'm still going. Listen, if you don't sacrifice for this name, Jesus, it will be, you can't use it. There's a confidence that men speak with. You're wondering what is going on. Is the intermingling that they've intermingled with the name. When I know that somebody slapped me, somebody duped me, somebody did all of that, and for the sake of Jesus, I did not respond. And then I now meet an obstacle. All I say in the name of Jesus before whom I stand. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? It's as simple as that. But if I don't pay that price, I cannot have the confidence. In fact, not that I cannot have. I have shown that I don't have. Because when I say I cannot, it's as though the prayer is what makes it. It shows that I do not. When I, I see the word, David said, <laughs> what the Lord has done for me, you want to pay for it. Mba. He said I will pay full price. Now, if, if you go on now. So David gave on and 600 shekels of gold by weight. Continue now. Uh, you see something there. He built the altar. Continue. Continue. 27. Thank you. 27. Read 27 for me. 
There was a place I said you should underline in your Bible. Did anybody underline it? Verse 16, what does it say? Thank you. David looked up and did what? So the, how was the angel of the Lord? And what? The sword was still drawn out. That's where I'm going. Some of us think we are smart. The, when the angel stopped, the sword, give us the 16 and then we'll come back to 27. 16 says, David saw the angel of the Lord having in his heart what? A drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. So Jehovah said I should stop, but now so the angel did. He had not disarmed. When David paid for the sacrifice, the Bible says the angel put his sword back in his shirt. Some people think that's smart with Christianity. All is happening is that mercy is being extended. Mercy is being extended. Whenever you want to make a demand, you remember him. When he makes a demand, you dodge him. So Christianity is only for your convenience. You don't know Jesus. When you know this Jesus, what you'll be asking is, what shall I render? I want to serve you. I want to honor you. Lord, here I am. Take me and use me. That's what you'll be saying. A Christian not paying the price. What inconvenience. If I may use that word again, Holy Spirit, forgive me. Has salvation brought you? I'm sure you know now that it's fashionable to call yourself born again. Anything the politicians start claiming is fashionable. So you call all of that. To inconvenience yourself of sleep, to come to church, to serve in church, to give money, to help somebody, to minister. You will never do that. You don't know the value. I'm telling you, you don't know the value. Praise the Lord. You don't know the value. I cannot tell you enough. When I knew I must marry this, my wife, was when I bought gold for her. Have you heard it before? But you haven't heard it. So it's for you I'm saying it. Because I've said it so many times. You see, I have had friends, but I never bought gold. When my gold went, I knew this one level has changed. I bought shawarma. I bought birthday card. I may even have bought some other things. But gold, I buy gold. I follow the gold. (laughs) What has your Jesus cost you? What lifestyle change has it? Some people are saying again. I was there. I can still drink. I can still do this. I can still do that. I can still go there. I can still that, 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 that. You have not met him. When you see value, you offer price. David said, for what the Lord has done for me, I will not let you pay for it. That's salvation. Days must come back to the church. Where when service is over, people are asking, what shall I do? Not where they are begging people. Come, do this, I beg. Jesus beg you. Now, how come people are not pushing it? Into the worship and service of Jesus. It's because they've not seen his worth. Let's rise on our feet. The name of Jesus has been given to me. Do I know the value? The prayer I want us to pray is, Lord, I want to know your value. Encounter with Jesus is a life-altering encounter. You cannot speak the same way, sir. You cannot have the same judgment, sir. You cannot have the same attitude, sir. You cannot have the same habits, sir. You cannot keep the same friends, sir. You cannot. Because he takes over. He's Lord. Some people must call and say, oh, sorry, sorry, I called you. I know you will not come. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Some people must also take advantage of you. Because they know you're a Jesus person. You won't do anything. That's what it is. I want you to talk to the Lord. I want to know your value. 
You said that a man found this treasure and sold everything. If I'm selling 10% of mine, that means I've only seen 10% of the treasure. But if I've seen the full treasure, the implication and the mathematics of that statement is that if I see the full treasure, nothing less but all will I offer. I want you to ask the Lord in this month of September, Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to know your value. The Bible says wisdom is a defense. Money is a defense. But the excellence of knowledge is that it gives life. Do you know what it means to have Jesus? He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a way maker. You can call him for your children. You can call him for your wife. You can call him for your parents. You can call him for provision. You can call him for direction. Above all, in his father's house, he will introduce you and say to the father, Behold my brother. Behold my sister that is the privilege we have in jesus i want to see the treasure in you so that i can alter my life when you own property it changes you i want you to talk to the lord and the spirit of god is speaking to you expressly some of us is our dedication some of us is our finances some of us is, is our relationship some of us there are habits that you thought I, I, nobody can touch this but today, Jesus is saying, am I that worthy to you? You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.